Hi, everybody. This is Chris. Oh, my gosh. This has been the craziest, most mind-boggling time to be alive, I can tell you. Uh, everything that we think we know about culture, about relationships, about health, about systems, it's all being stripped down. And originally I started this podcast to get stories about birthing and parenting and postpartum. But the name of the podcast is called Grow. And if nothing else, growing is one of the things I'm passionate about. And whether it's spiritual growth or emotional growth, whatever form it takes, and I feel like right now we are in the midst of a massive growth spurt as a globe, essentially. And what better time than during a major <laughs> never happened before kind of growth spurt? What better time to talk to someone from a generation who's up and coming? And has a really cool perspective of coming in as a an 18-year-old, graduating from a high school that um, where he's missing out on a lot of the activities that he thought would be happening. And this entire um, graduating class has had to shift, be flexible, envision a new future, and talking about my nephew Gabe who originally I wanted to talk with him and his sister my my niece but um, she was not available to do this podcast yet I'm still hoping to talk to her down the line but uh, we talk about racial injustice we talk about uh, what's going on in our society we talk about how he feels like what's happening right now is a tipping point. He has a really unique um, perspective because he's young and he's got fresh eyes that are not my 40-year-old eyes, 46-year-old eyes. Generally, I think it is good advice to look to the young when times are in chaos. Look to the elderly, to the wise, and look to the young who are also the wise. Uh, so here's Gabe. everybody. I'm here with my nephew, Gabe, and Gabe is graduating this year from West, and uh, it's an honor. We've never done this before, so we kind of don't know what we're doing here together, but as with anything else, um, we kind of just work our way through, do the best we can, and I told Gabe that if I ask any stupid questions, he can call me on it. <laughs> uh so do you mind, Gabe, introducing yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Gabe. Uh, I am Chrissy's nephew. Um, I am adopted from Guatemala. My parents are both white. I have 
one two sisters and one brother my sister Briseida is also adopted from Guatemala and my other siblings Julian and Abby are both white and were born here in Madison do you know um how old you were when you first came to the to Madison because you've lived in Madison your whole life right yes I believe I was about six months old when my parents came and adopted me and brought me back here about six months yeah yeah that's kind of what I remember too I remember I'm not going to say anything too embarrassing but you were just the cutest baby ever Mm. (laughs) oh um and do you have plans after graduation um I'm going to go to Beloit College for four years hopefully and I'm excited about that I don't know what I'm going to study uh-huh yet so i'll hopefully figure that out after two years or maybe sooner does beloit have plans for what they're gonna do in the fall do you know uh they said that they're gonna have two classes per quarter they're changing it from semester to quarters just in case we have to go back to online school so there's only two classes you have to wor- worry about instead of four at one time mm-hmm. which was I don't think anybody really liked having a bunch of classes to worry about at once when you're at home worrying about the pandemic and all that stuff how has everything been with COVID stuff have you been cut off from social activities or are you able to get outside but still feel like you're at a distance there's all I've been finding and talking to people there's kind of a range some people are really comfortable leaving their house and going to the grocery store and like doing outdoor campfires and then there's another range where people are like I haven't left my house in two months and I don't plan on leaving my house where are you in that sort of range I'm more in like in the middle I'm not very very cautious it's like I have to clean everything that other people touch. I've been uh-huh. going outside. I've played soccer, but only with one person at a time, and we haven't been making contact. We've just been, like, shooting the ball at each other, and uh-huh. that's pretty much it. I'm not really worried that I'm going to get it because I know I trust my friends that they know to stay Um away from large groups and not gather in tight places. Uh-huh. Do you feel um, like shortchanged given that this was your graduation year and usually there's a lot of parties and celebrations that happen at graduation? Is it kind of a bummer or is it everyone's just kind of accepting this the way it is? I mean, it's a bummer, but graduate, I'm I haven't been as bummed as some of my friends have. Like, they've just melted down a lot and just complain. Like, why why this year? Why couldn't it have been in the summer after graduation? But I'm not as bummed. Yeah, so it's kind of hitting everyone differently. I imagine some people maybe think about 
um, like for me, high school graduation was a big deal, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like I've been working my whole life to this and I can't wait for everyone to see me march down with my cap and gown. That wasn't me, but I know that there are, were friends of mine and I imagine friends of yours where it's like they have that vision in their mind of what they think is going to happen at the end of the year. And then when that changes so drastically and dramatically, it can just feel like a punch in the gut almost if it's something that you really counted on. So I really feel for, I guess, everyone that's going through it in particular when a big celebration feels like it has to be bumped or changed um and how old are you i am 18 18 so an adult yeah and have you been joining in any of the protests at all um you're trying to distance a little bit but i've thought about it i haven't protested yet i've done some donations to a bailout fund for mass and protesters oh so for people who are getting arrested? Yeah, people who are getting arrested and they don't have the money to bail themselves, have their family bail themselves out. What do you, what's your take on everything that's going on right now? Um, I think it's, it's pretty sad, but sad what happened all the stuff that's been leading up to this, all these riots and protests. Um, I think that the George Floyd, just a tipping point of the past 400 years that people of color have been oppressed and not treated fairly in the United States. And I know it's, I know the um, protests have gone global and I think everybody is, I hope everybody will be on the same page eventually saying that all this racism has to stop. Otherwise, we, our world can't go forward. We're just stuck here. So you said this is a tipping point? Yes, it's a tipping point. Well, I think it is. Why do you think that it's a tipping point? Because all 50 states well i yeah all 50 states have had at least a protest and it's been going on for more than a week now and it's not it's not gonna stop anytime soon i think i mean i hope it doesn't i hope it the rioting stops but i don't hope the protests stop because i we need to be heard and we need change. I'm getting goosebumps. When you talk about needing change, what does ideally, what do you, if you could craft like the next best step for people to take other than making donations to support organizations that um, make sure that voices are heard and what in your mind, what's important for as a culture, as a society, what do we need to do? I think everybody just needs to sit down and talk about these issues with somebody, especially their family, their friends, 
anybody they need to talk about just all the problems in the in society today i have talked with some of my friends about what i feel a lot of my white friends i've talked to them and they know that they cannot understand what people black people go through they won't fully understand that but they want to get as close to understanding as they can to why black people are just furious about what's been happening in the u.s for the past i mean police brutality has because of social media we've seen more and more videos of police brutality since the 2010s and this it's been just a big issue so a lot of my friends have been just asking me what they can do and like what what I've had experiences with in social injustice and racism can you would you be willing to share a couple stories of the stuff that you've experienced living in Madison Wisconsin yeah um it was I think October last year I was with my friend at a park we were um just driving around then I stopped to uh play a game and he wanted to see what I was doing so we just pulled over right by park right by my house and two police cars pulled up had their lights on then they came up to us and they asked us what we were doing here and I said we were I was playing the game like we I mean I was I wasn't really really like terrified I just was very uncomfortable um of the situation so we did everything that the police officer told us to do he went he had a um dog with him so the dog started to sniff the car and he told us to keep our hands up where he could see them with his flashlight mm-hmm. it was it was um around 8 so it was dark enough so that you couldn't see in front oh, of you okay so we had stayed in the car with our hands up for at least three minutes before the officer told us what was going on. But apparently there was a robbery of a house right across the street from the park. Uh-huh. And so they wanted to make sure that we weren't the um, robbers or, yeah. And I didn't want to say why did you think it was us because I didn't know what they would do but I just thought it was it was just stupid because I don't know why a robber would stay maybe 30 feet 20 feet away from a house where they just robbed right and stay there until police cars rolled up and not even try to run like and we were both 
I mean, we, I don't believe I look very, very old. So I don't know why two kids would be robbing a house, but I mean. What happened then after he finally told you why you had to have your hands up and sort of. He didn't tell us why we, I didn't ask why we had to put our hands up because I thought that was disrespectful. But yeah. Uh, he just said, um, he just told us why we had to stay in the car and all that stuff. And then he just told us to, uh, go home. So we went to my house and stayed there until we felt, until we felt comfortable enough to go out again. Were you kind of, you and your friend kind of, I'm just wondering what feelings might have been passing through, whether it was like fear or anger, just being shaken up or surprised. Of course, you know, my first response is always anger. But in the moment when you're in it, I just wonder, you said you wanted to ask a question, but didn't want to be disrespectful. Yeah, I think the first feeling I got, I was just, I was having a bunch of fear. Yeah. I can't speak for my friend because I don't know what he was going through, what he felt, but I felt fear. So I just, all my vision just went to one point. So yeah, I just tried to calm myself down. So I just tried to take deep breaths and relax until Mm -hmm. all this was over. Did you feel like they were that you were being discriminated against in that particular moment? Did it run through your mind like, this would not be happening if my skin color was white? Mm. Uh, I mean, at the moment, no, because after they told us what happened, Uh I mean, I didn't really think about anything else except there was a robbery and... They wanted to see who it was, so... Yeah. I mean... Maybe they... Maybe the robber... Like, if they stayed there, if they were white, I think the police still would have um, went over to their car to ask them questions. Mm-hmm. But putting their hands up, I don't know if they would have done that. Yeah. You guys were just kids. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, I was talking to your mom and my mom, your grandma, about, because we're all gung-ho about education and how to improve education, and from that conversation, we started talking about how sometimes systems can be, have certain kinds of discrimination that are sneaky kinds of discrimination. It's not overt, but it's it can be kind of under the radar. And um, I wondered if you had any experiences before you went, we should say you went for a while to a private school that was, that I always thought was pretty great. It seemed like you had a good experience there. But before that, 
did you have any experiences in school that made you feel like no one's seeing me here or getting in trouble for stuff that maybe other kids weren't or yeah i um i mean i didn't really get well i don't remember any times i got purposely discriminated against but i mean i just had the stereotypes come at me just not on purpose because the people have um come up to me and asked something in spanish like some um spanish teachers and all that stuff they've come up to me and asked me something in spanish oh and i said that i don't i said no espanol <laughs> and they just they always have that a surprised look and then they're just like oh sorry they say sorry in english and then they just walk away. Huh. And so, I mean, I wish I could speak Spanish, but I just didn't feel the need to learn so, Spanish. So, just making assumptions based on darker skin color or... Did mm-hmm. that bother you at all? Just when someone makes an assumption about you based on what you what your appearance is versus taking the time to just ask a simple question like, Hey, do you speak Spanish? <laughs> or was it just not offensive to you at the time? Yeah. I, I always felt weird after those encounters. Yeah. I didn't say anything after I'd like, I didn't tell my parents about that because I didn't feel like it was really hurtful. It was just awkward at the time. So with all the stuff that's happening um, across, like you said, the globe right now to kind of highlight and bring attention to there's systemic change that needs to happen. And it starts with every single individual listening more and taking steps to realize where their own prejudices are and where they're allowing prejudices to exist that they might not know that they're allowing it to exist. When I, when I hear you tell this story about being, a, when people make assumptions about other people based on appearance and what they look like, to me, that feels like a step to, for all of us to stop doing that. And they don't know anything about you other than maybe your name and that you have dark hair and you know, like how tall you are, but to make assumptions on your culture or your family or your history or your background, that to sort of backpedal on assumptions could be a way that people could start looking at things differently. Is that, am I being too naive, do you think? Is that not important enough? I mean, not doing stereotypes, I think. A lot of my teachers have told us not to, like they taught us what not to say and where some phrases come from. Like what? Um, my mom just yeah, a couple of days ago, we were talking about um stereotypes and she said that back when she was in elementary school, they called crisscross applesauce the 
Indian sit or that's something right. like that. Indian style. Yeah, Indian style. Mm-hmm. And so she then when we were all in kindergarten, um, we called we came back home and said we learned we did we we learned crisscross applesauce and she was like what does that mean <laughs> yeah and then when she when we demonstrated for her she's like oh and then thankfully she didn't tell us what um it was originally called or what it was called back then so we i only thought of it as crisscross applesauce or just sitting normally like yeah on the floor yeah. What about like the NFL team, the um, uh, Redskins? Yeah. Do you think that's going to be changing? Uh, that's been a long time coming. People have been furious about that. It's still. I don't know if that will change. I, I hope know you're a Broncos does, fan, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that will change, but I hope it does. I was. I know the Florida State Seminoles. They um were under fire for like people wanting them to change their name uh-huh. but the Seminole tribe Seminole nation they the Seminoles did not want Florida State to change their name cuz they felt like it was respect to them like having them be nationally acknowledged and stuff yeah but i can see where some people didn't like that and want it to change yeah a little while ago you were saying that your friends were asking you like I guess my question is is are people who are white that are are your white friends looking to you to be like some kind of spokesman for people of color is that weird are you like uh you know, my parents are white. I am a middle class kid. Like, go talk to. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that like a weird position to be in? Yeah, they. I don't think they look at me as a spokesperson. Like, not. They don't look at me as to be the leader. They just look at me like to get. Because um, I might be the only colored friend that they have. That they like really know and are close to so i think they're comfortable asking me because they know me about what i've experienced and all that stuff uh-huh. instead of asking a friend who they've been in class with but they never really talked to yeah like they don't want to ask the wrong question but they ask me i know when to say that's not true or like don't say that without getting angry at them i just correct oh, them right so, so that was one of the caveats for you sitting with me was please if I'm being stupid or asking ignorant questions just <laughs> please just say that cuz I'm not you. I don't have your experiences. Whenever I think about it's so weird cuz one of the things that we talked about with um I talked about with your sister was uh I think it was Brisada's someone's experience in middle school was they were mistaken for being black and um for me it was like you guys your birth family is from Guatemala you guys went to 
um, La Semana and like all these cultural camps. You have like Guatemalan tapestries and change purses. It's so this rich history of the ethnicity and the culture is pervasive through your family. Anybody that knows your family recognizes there's an honoring and an integration of Guatemalan sort of culture in identity and it's just it's there so part of what pissed me off when I was listening to that interview back was how um I wanted adults in in the world of middle schoolers or any school any kids growing up I wanted them to be able to look at look beyond like skin tone to say who is this person What's their cultural identity? What's their family history? What are their learning needs? And not make assumptions based on appearance. Is that... What do you think? Um, I haven't had those experiences. And um, past four years, I haven't seen okay. that. In, at least in at West, I haven't seen that. Good. I think West, we're very diverse. We have a lot of students from different um, cultures, different uh, like um, classes, like lower class, middle class, and upper class for money yeah. and wealth. But some of my friends are in the upper class, but they don't talk about that because they don't feel like it doesn't they don't want to bring it up because they don't want to offend anybody they don't they just want to um look at it as a student of west and part of this diverse body they don't want to bring in what do you think the staff in the school there is doing well and doing right because i know there's other high schools in madison that aren't doing as well with inclusive you know we're all this at the same level regardless of how much money your parents make or, you know, what your family looks like or whatever. Um, What are they doing right? Do they just pay close attention to what you need or? I think they just have a lot of different clubs and a lot of different events for that honor different cultures like we have uh, an All Nations Day where people can um, perform a piece of art or, like, talk about stuff in front of the whole school in the auditorium. Uh-huh. So we all get to watch that. Hmm. And... Um, all Nations Day. Yeah, so we have a lot of just wonderful performances by our students huh. and they they're all really interesting because they sound different from what we're used to hearing but that's just what their culture does and it's always really fun to hear that one of the so I work for hospice now and one of the things that I have found really interesting is how there's different um religions that do different rituals for death 
and um, just that some families, like one family, I remember the tradition was you keep the body after it's dead, you keep it in the house for three days and allow visitors and adorn it with flowers and how um, the job of hospice is to just pay attention and not try to bring any outside ideas and impose them onto the family and be like, well, you really should get that body out of there because, you know, bacteria or X, Y, Z. It's sort of like we are holding space for them and we are, our job is to listen and pay attention to their culture and not try to impose on them. And when I hear you talking about this international day or, even what you were talking about before about how um, what were the words that you used what's happening across the country right now so many people are using the words I'm it's time for us all to listen to black people in particular because of this 400 years of the way that they've been treated in our country do you what do you think that means it's time for us to listen does that mean you know just uplift black voices black writers black what what do you think it means by that um i think it just means the experiences that black people go through like recognize how different they have it from white people and uh, people of the upper class, all that stuff. Like, may they get scared to go outside, yeah, alone, because mm-hmm. police might. We don't know what the police will do, right? So. You were going to say something about your class that you took junior year? Yeah. Um, second semester junior junior year, I took African-American history with Ms. Gevelber. Um I heard that it was she was one of the best teachers at West, and this class was just really, really powerful and changed. It changed my life of, like, what I understand about the U.S. history and what we were built on. So, um, the first day, I think everybody was, it's an uncomfortable topic because nobody wants to, um, relive past events, slavery. We, nobody likes to talk about, but we have to talk about it in order for everybody to understand my favorite class in college was African-American history, too. And it was completely because the professor was amazing. And it was the very first time American history was presented to me not from a white point of view. And it was like a completely a history of a totally different country, basically. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the experience you had? Yeah. I 
thought I knew so much about slavery and all and Martin Luther King, but after this, I realized that MLK was not the only person that started um, just protesting for racial equality. Like, I heard of Malcolm X before this class, but I didn't really know what he was about. Yeah. And um, I realized I learned about so many more leaders that started this movement before MLK was even born. Um, huh. So do you remember what the difference was? Be- <laughs> now I feel like I'm quizzing you. Do you remember the difference between Malcolm X and MLK and the, they were both fighting for the same cause, but they were fighting in different ways. Yeah. Um, MLK was more peaceful uh-huh. using our voices. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X was more radical like, uh-huh. and taking action, like physical action against um, inequality. And so I think we didn't, I think that's why I didn't really know a lot about Malcolm X because I don't think schools wanted us to know anything other than like being peaceful Mm. so i think that's why i didn't talk about malcolm x as much as it did mlk not emphasize yeah but he was just as important as mlk yeah do you remember how word of him of malcolm x got out at that time was it through like grassroots stuff or or newspapers because this was way before modern media Mm -hmm. and was it just word of mouth yeah it was that and uh his followers just grew and grew and grew Mm -hmm. but back then i think if the country spread word about malcolm x i think i don't know what would have happened to the country because of all the stuff that he was for i don't think the country could handle that mm-hmm. like they would have turned against him even more and they just i don't know if the civil rights move- movement would have worked if they didn't show if, if they showed malcolm x instead of martin luther king jr Hmm. Did you, so I remember reading about the Black Panthers arming themselves and doing nothing but just standing Mm -hmm. with guns. And that alone was enough to like... Scare everybody. Yeah. Yeah, the terror. And I remember reading that. There's so many stories that like you said, it kind of changes your entire perspective. It can change almost like your life trajectory. If you're, when you start seeing all the, in, in all the invisible ways, um, that people are prejudiced become visible and what people really think it really does sort of really deeply change you. And so, And then, of course, there's, for me anyways, you know, I am super white and um, I 
I have all these resources now to try to teach my white kids how to look at the world so that everyone's equal, but at the same time respect different cultures and it's complicated. Do you have, I have two questions. One is, is there anything else that stood out in that class that you, that always comes in your mind when you think about that class? Um, yeah, I think our, my class, we had, the majority of the class was white taking it and we had only some colored people in the class. That's interesting. Yeah, and the colored people in the class were the ones to talk out the most about, like, whenever we had full class discussions or even small group discussions, mm-hmm. the colored pe- colored kids were the ones to usually talk the most because they, I think it's because they have had experiences huh. of all this injustice, and the white people didn't really have an understanding. Though they definitely had an understanding of the inequalities that we face, but they didn't really have any experiences to talk about. And, like, I think just no disrespect to any of the white people, but their experiences would not be as powerful as what colored people have went through. Yeah. Um. It's interesting you're using the word colored to describe people of color. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, that word was almost as bad as the N-word. Has something changed? And now this it's okay to use that word to describe people of different shades? I mean... Black and brown. It depends. Like, I use black and colored, but I... Because I'm not black i'm brown but Mm -hmm. i'm not white so i can't say that i'm black because i'm not but i'm not white so i'm just say i'm colored so so when you use the word colored to describe the kids in the class it's like brown black different shades in between okay but we were learning about black history because they were that's just the point of the class it was um african-american history is yeah. what the name of it was i think it got changed from the african-american um experience which i'm glad it got changed because you if you're white and taking the fm experience that's just not true at all because hmm. you don't experience what they had you to go through walk in their shoes yeah hmm I wish I could take that class. It sounds really good. Yeah, it was really good. It sounds also like uh, even within your school, just with that class, your teacher created a space to do what people are trying to do now, which is just shut up and listen to the experiences that aren't in the well, you probably don't use textbooks, but the experiences that haven't been highlighted for the most part because it hasn't come from the people in power, so to speak. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you was 
how do you think our leaders are doing, leaders of the country are doing in championing this cause of letting black lives matter more? Um, not good. I think that's why we're protesting because the leaders aren't really figuring out problems. They're not opening up their ears and listening to everybody right now. Um, I think that's why the protests won't stop until governors, mayors, Mm -hmm. and everybody in between actually listen and do something to change um, our society. Do you think it would make a difference if our president was, let's say, Obama and was someone who would use all all possible avenues to try to support what's happening? Yeah. Um, I think it would have maybe a really, really minimal change because it's the police force that's the problem right Uh now. President is with the military and like, I don't think having Obama would change anything. Okay. Maybe, um, because most of the protesters right now are people who voted for Obama and hopefully people who vote for Trump are now um, seeing that like they're agreeing with the Democrats but right now I don't think it's a Democrat versus Republican thing I think it's just everybody trying to come together yeah. And agree with each other that something has to change. Yeah. Do you think about the protests happening now? Do you think that um, setting fires and getting a little bit violent um, in terms of destroying property, we'll say, more along the lines of what Malcolm X is teaching? Like, you make them pay attention to you and you're... If, if holding up signs and marching doesn't work and doesn't change anything and get attention, what's next? Set stuff on fire, rocks through windows. Like, what do you think about that during this time? Do you think we could use some of that more aggressive action or do you think it's still a bad idea? Um, or maybe it ne- was never a bad idea. Do we need to like burn some things down in order to get people to pay attention to this message? Uh, I, I, I've always been for just peaceful, but mm-hmm. I think um, doing damage to property will, I mean, it has brought attention to national t- attention and international mm-hmm. attention to the injustice. So, yeah, I mean, I think just breaking windows setting fires not um 
like what happened in Minneapolis when they burnt down whole Target and stuff. I don't really like that, but yeah. without like that event, I don't know if this would have spread as fast. Yeah. So, In- yeah. I think because it got a lot of people scared mm-hmm. that they don't want this happening to their city. They don't want the same thing that happened to George Floyd in their city. Right. Because imagine if that was like a store that you always went to. Yeah. And it's just gone. So I think that helped spread awareness to this. I have a friend who's a business owner here in town and she's been fairly active with all of this and she posted something on Facebook or Instagram I guess that was basically saying if burning down my business is part of what would forward this cause then burn it down because it's time kind of and when you're talking about um I I, I will say I have mixed feelings about it I'm because I'm I want peace. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. And it's hard to have that kind of um, aggressive action without someone getting hurt. But at the same time, fires make good news. The more it's on the news, the more people know. Mm -hmm. The more people know, the more people can see the injustice. So I have mixed feelings about it, too. Um, Some people are saying... Every cop should have to go through four years of college um, studying social justice, studying um, criminal justice, studying equality. Um, what do you think about the requirements for be- for being in a position of authority and carrying a gun on our streets? Should there be stronger requirements? Um. I mean, yeah, I think there should be stronger requirements, but also, I don't know if it should be, I mean, I mean, four years of college to become a police officer, it's a lot of money to just uh, pay tuition for four, four years, and then, um, I know... I mean, I hope more black people would become police officers, but I the black community the we there is just um they're just usually more poor and they can't afford it in Madison for sure yeah and Milwaukee Milwaukee's the worst mm-hmm. segregated city in America yeah. for socioeconomic yeah yeah and so if we do that i think more and more white officers will Uh, join it but i'm not mm -hmm. saying that all white officers are i don't think i think it would change the way police do things but then you when like there if there's one bad apple in the force then this might all happen again and there will only be white officers and then it will become 
I mean, I hope it doesn't become a race war where yeah, it's just white officers versus the public. So, and that would, I think that would make the U.S. look very, very bad. Mm-hmm. It just um, remind it would remind people of the civil rights movements and um, all that stuff where you never you didn't see any black officers. Yeah, you just saw that white officers um hurting and injuring um protesters with so their tools that question i just asked i would qualify after your answer my question of four-year college before becoming a cop i would qualify that as a stupid question because it's coming from a place of privilege where people go to college and you're exactly right just your answer is like Duh, of course. Coming from a place where you're maybe socioeconomically challenged, college is out of the question, and having a police force that's filled with privileged people is sort of missing the point altogether. So how do we get more representation in the police force of people who are not privileged and who, you know... Yeah, um... I mean, maybe one thing, because if you're a police officer, you're working for the state. Yeah. So maybe the state could pay off your college tuition if you uh-huh. um swear to do all those classes and training to become a officer. And if you don't like complete a class, maybe just pay off for what you've what classes you've completed before without um any penalty yeah maybe even starting in high school is like apprenticing or i know some people do yeah isn't your sister is doing like some college courses some high school courses sort of mixed together yeah i think she's all done i think she's just been doing college college level courses yeah this past year so I wonder too about having more of a partnership with um I'm thinking back to my I was a criminal justice major for a year and a half I thought I was gonna go into like social justice Mm -hmm. but it was so depressing and I was going through depression at the time that I couldn't I couldn't take it basically Mm -hmm. because of of um, all the things that I was reading about and how unequal things were. But I do remember, um, I remember feeling like the cops that built relationships with communities made the community safer and it made the cops safer. It was sort of like, mutually beneficial and community leaders that aren't cops like boys and girls club or you know deacons or priests of local churches i feel like maybe if there were more communication between leadership for police and leadership in the community do you think that would make a difference um I just ask another stupid question? No, I think, I mean, <laughs> I think it would make a difference if tighter knit relationships with 
officers and the communities, if they're on the same page as one another, it will, I think it would make people um, less fearful of encountering a police officer that they don't know, like, um, not all of them are gonna shoot you and, um, just make you stand somewhere Mm -hmm. and be searched for no reason. Right. So, yeah, I think it would make a difference. I know, um, at West we had Officer Creech, who was black and i don't think everybody at the school liked him like yeah. he officer in the school yeah so he had, um uh sophomore year we my english class we were reading um a book i think it was called the hate you give oh yeah. wow so it, we read, sophomore year mm-hmm. intense that's yeah. an intense read read that and then we watched um what was that um the oscar grant the green some station it was in oakland oh i don't remember fruitvale the, yeah Fru- fruitvale station yeah we watched that fruitvale station yeah after reading the hate you give and okay then we had Officer Creech come in and hmm. we got to ask him what what made him decide to become a police officer and like Wow. Um what it's like working here, working at West. And, what did he say? Uh he said he loves West cause just the same answer as everybody that goes there, just the diversity in the school and like getting to know all the kids. Yeah, like, some of the kids are way closer to him, and like he knows what they're going through, so um, he can talk to the teachers and tell them to maybe take it easier on certain kid because huh. he might be going through something. Did he say why he? Do you remember why he wanted to be a cop? Uh, I don't remember. I wonder if there's kids out there right now or people graduating or in college that are thinking they want to be cops to try to help change the system do you know anybody are any of your friends wanting to do that or you no well at least not right now yeah i know that's for sure but i think to change the police system you have to become a i'll really understand how the um politics work in this but you have to change the regulations for what police can and can't do i don't know what position does that or um can suggest a new bill that passes like having police have body cams on all the time during each encounter yeah each um like pullover or just um encounter with another civilian like they just have to turn it on Mm -hmm. and then that's evidence for like say they shoot somebody yeah there's evidence for why they shot him and what prompted it so this is kind of a sticky question because it it kind of 
runs into another hot topic that's there's a lot of disagreement about. Do you think that because police officers carry guns, it gives them a sense of invincibility, just being invincible and powerful and maybe makes some cops more drunk with power than others? Um, I don't know if it's carrying the gun. I think it's just knowing that you're pretty much immune to being convicted if you uh, um shoot somebody. The justice system. Yeah. So it protects the police officers. Protects police officers. So it's not just the cops. It's also the justice system that needs reworking. I think it's, yeah, this just has to be the, like, people have been saying not all cops are bad. Yes, there's some, there's a lot of good cops, but... Like the one at West. <laughs> yeah. But they're all working for the, um, just the bad police yeah. justice system. So... Yeah. I think that's why people want um, changes to the justice system more than, like changing who can be a policeman checks and balances someone has to check like you said you have to know what's happening it can't be their word against one person against someone else's word or three cops word against one black person's word Mm -hmm. in an in a corrupt justice system that's never going to work so you have to change the mentality of the cops and you have to change the mentality and who's seeing these cases Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, part of the anger is they're all they're all ruled innocent in these obvious cases where there was wrong done, right? For the cops that have shot someone mm-hmm. unlawfully or, yeah, it feels like such a massive, I keep using the word systemic, but it feels like such a massive systemic problem. It can feel kind of overwhelming. How do you not get overwhelmed um I've just me personally I've been um reading a lot about problems that have come before oh this and seeing like how this has been a problem for many many years yeah. So I think knowing that information mm-hmm. still gets me angry about the system, but not as angry that I um, act on my first opinion, like first emotion that I get. What are you reading? I've just been um, a bunch of articles online about well, not just articles, and I've just been seeing Instagram posts about, um, like, bullet points of why we're fighting, uh-huh. um, what we're fighting for, and what these protests can lead up to. Okay, so don't lose, don't lose focus. Yeah. Like, stay focused. Yeah. And this has been going on for hundreds of years. Don't stop now. Mm-hmm. It feels like a giant tidal wave of people rising up right now. Mm -hmm. So there's momentum there. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? 
Mm, no, that's it. Awesome. That's all I have. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me. Mm-hmm.